Hey, mamas. Today I am interviewing one of my very best friends, Hannah Nespor from Transcend Maternal Services. She is a doula, a birth keeper, a parent educator. She is an awesome person, has so many resources for you guys, and I'm so excited to bring our conversation to you. We took talk all about birth, pregnancy, postpartum, and just so many good things. So stay tuned. This episode is actually broke into two episodes. Today we're going to be talking about birth, um, postpartum, and prenatal. And then the second episode, which will air next week, we are going to be chatting about hospital births. So stay tuned and can't wait to hear what you guys think. We want to give everybody a little bit of an introduction of who you are and how you got started into being a doula. Yeah. So I, um, I would like to say like, you know, I love Jesus. Um, I'm a wife. We've been married this year. will be 12 years. Um, we've been together for 17 years. Um, so we were babies when we got together, um, and been through a lot and worked through a lot in those 17 years, um, which has been beautifully hard, which I always say is like much of marriage and parenting and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just such a blessing and an honor to be his wife and to have him as uh, my hubby. And then, you know, I'm a mom to three kids. I am primarily a stay-at-home mom. I homeschool. Um, We are in fifth and first grade now and balancing that with a toddler is wild. Mm -hmm. Um, Kiddos, um, Robbie is 10 tomorrow. Asher Mm -hmm. is almost six and Diana turned three. So it's been fun to kind of be in all of those age groups and just Mm -hmm. seeing the beauty of it while also working through like all the tricky navigations mm-hmm. which uh, come with parenting and just all of those wild, you know, changes that come through that. Um, I am a holistic doula. So I get to support and educate and be there for families. Um, and on the holistic side, like I'm personally cr- very crunchy as you, Emily knows here. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, being able to bring that into my practice of just supporting families and educating them of traditional alternatives to um, pharmaceutical, which is often pushed on families right from the get-go or people kind of just that's all they know versus Mm -hmm. like hey like here are you know when I'm talking to moms um even before they hire me it's kind of like you know I have a ton of resources that I pass out to my families um and those are Mm -hmm. you know alternative um homeopathic herbal um what have you plant-based um medicine and everything to be able to utilize, which has been cool to bring into my practice and be able to have those resources for my families. Um, So, and, you know, kind of with that doula as a birth keeper, I am there to hold space and be there for my families in any capacity, um, primarily supporting mom, but also there for dad and other children. And I am a parent educator. So I have quarterly classes um, throughout the year, as well as private classes that we cover anything from physiological and biological pregnancy, um, childbirth, immediate postpartum, um, into postpartum and parenting and breastfeeding. Um, So that kind of, it's a very broad array of topics that I could talk on for, you know, 60, 70 hours that we condense into 
a few hours over two weekends. And you do them in group and privately, right? Yes. Which, so do you like, do you like either one better or do you feel like um, they're both great for parents? Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, <laughs> I love both. I love when I do private classes because it is so individualized and it's literally like conversational. So like we have things that I try to um, make sure we cover bare basics of different things so that they are aware. And this is, it's varies on if they're planning a hospital birth, if they're planning a birth center birth and when they're planning a home birth as to like what I really want to focus on to make sure that they're well-prepared for. Right. Um, and then it's conversational of like it kind of, when I do private, it kind of turns into an educational and coaching kind of thing mm -hmm. where I'm there that they can just completely pick my brain and we talk about anything and everything. Um, so it's super low key. The um, group classes, obviously, like I try to keep it very low key as much as possible yeah. too, because you're going to learn more when it's like, you feel like you have a relationship with everybody and you're able to joke around and you're able to laugh together and share experiences or lack of experience with each other. Um, so like the group classes, I definitely find are definitely the group classes because it is, I definitely keep it a little more structured because we have to keep it going because there's anywhere from like three to four couples. Right. Um, Which is still small and, compared to other birth classes that people would go to. It is, um, I do it in my home. So it's much more personal. I've had different people offer their spaces for me to host it there, but I find it to be more more conventional rather than like personal, if that makes sense. Um, so being able but, to have it where yeah, like I'm picking up and that. using a space versus like we do it in my living room and it's like, we don't have a huge house, but it's just way more personal. Everybody's there. It's very homey. Like we yeah, have snacks on the, yeah, we have snacks on the bar. I, you know, especially during like the fall, winter, early spring, we do like tea and just have everything there. So it's just a very relaxed environment, which is going to be way better for being able to remember information that's mm -hmm. being shared versus like you being uncomfortable in a hard chair that is, you know, set up in a space that's like a box. Yeah. Um, Your house is so it's for that, for, for the box on a hard chair. <laughs> because yeah. For the coat, like for it to be a comfortable place to learn about everything you're teaching parents. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like more comfortable to talk and ask questions and do what they're doing because I've seen some pictures from your birth classes and people actually get in like positions of mm -hmm. that are, you know, not positions you would normally get in in front of other people either. Yeah, not at all. No, we kind of break down the barriers. So like with the group classes, I love it because you, the parents are able to build relationships with each other, which is always fun because, you know, sometimes I have families that are not my clients, like my doula clients. Mm -hmm. um, but majority, I would say that are doing the classes are my clients. Mm -hmm. So like, it's always fun when I'm following up with them later and they're like, oh, how is so-and-so's birth? Or, oh, did they have their baby yet? Or even like, yeah, they, like they will connect with each other during and after class where they share information and they're like keeping up with each other on their journeys mm -hmm. or they'll um, friend each other like on Instagram or something. So it's really cool to see that um, 
families being able to come together and build those relationships and friendships too. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they're able to, you know, when we're talking about information, one person might have an experience that, you know, connects with somebody else or just kind of opens somebody else's eyes. And it's really fun in that way. Um, And like you said, like that, so we build those relationships and then like at the end of the first class, they, we do comfort measures. So we talk about the brain and pain and we talk about how, much of our, you know, comfort measures really is addressing like fears or concerns or our environment that we're going to be um, planning for for our birth. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, getting into the concept of like, hey, let's practice different positions that you may, you know, may or may not use in birth. Um, so like you could have people squatting, they could be dancing, you know, with their mm-hmm. spouse. Um, you know, right next to somebody else who they would never just like lean on their spouse and kind of do like these squats or, you know, doing lunges, um, sitting down. I always love like, we'll practice breathing, not because you have to follow the breathing that I teach in class, but because, you know, it just helps to kind of be able to tap back into slow, long breaths. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we're doing these things, or even like when I'm reminding mamas, like how to relax their jaw, if they notice that they're tense, you know, silly thing of doing like horse lifts. Mm-hmm. And I love doing that in the group because they like everybody's so serious. Yeah. And then everybody just like starts cracking up and it's like, it's, really funny it's hysterical because as soon as you start like trying to do intentional breathing right next to a bunch of people, or you start doing like horse lifts, it's just like, and then you have like the partners and spouses that just harassing each other because of like the faces or the noises and everything. Um, it is. And like, it's so fun. And like, we'll do, you know, we practice like even silly things of like sounds, like we're all make different sounds and I won't have them repeat, which sounds really uncomfortable to some people, but it breaks down the barriers yeah. for them within the group, but also for, you know, their partner and their spouse where it's like, okay, you know, these are the sounds that she might be making yeah. and I need to be prepared for this, whether it's moaning, whether it's a high pitch, whether it's a low pitch, whether, you know, different things like that, that we talk about that can come out and it breaks down that barrier so that anything that comes out in birth, no mom should be embarrassed by. Right. Um, And dad is there to support them and just kind of be prepared for, you know, what's expected and the unexpected. So I think that's a lot of what we talk about in classes too. I think that's really good for preparing moms for, for dealing with the pain, because I know a lot of people um, don't yell when they're in labor or don't make those noises in labor because they're like, I can't be screaming or I can't, I'm worried about that. Mm-hmm, like that embarrassment and all. Yeah. And I remember with, when we, when I had Molly, I screamed so loud. And I remember afterward, Kyle, like being like a couple days being like, oh yeah, she screamed. And it's like you, that really takes the pain away though. Uh-huh. And- Cause you're letting it out rather than trapping it in. Yeah. And releasing that tension. Like you always say. And, and the other thing is like, in if you're practicing that in class and you have that memory of practicing that in class, that's another way to take your mind off of the the physical feelings you're feeling, whether it's pain or pressure or whatever it might be while you're in labor. So if they're saying they're doing horse lips and in class laughing and they do horse lips in labor, maybe that like 
positive. Oh, they, they'll more likely laugh there too. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, wow. Okay. Like that released that tension in my jaw and my shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. So much. So to ha- like make those connections while they're in labor with the classes that you did and to remember all of that, like it's so important, I think too. And then for, to teach parents, like to be prepared, there's just not enough parents that are prepared and they go into their first or second baby even without mm-hmm. knowing what to do. And then they have these horrific experiences and mm-hmm. are walked all over by, it doesn't even just have to be a hospital birth. I think um, it could be home birth too. Yeah. It, and, at birth. and birth center. Yeah. So it's just so much better. Like anything else you wouldn't walk into it unprepared. Um, I think parents are walking into that. To a lot of parents are walking into unfortunately most parents are yeah and until you Mm -hmm. know better like I think you and I have talked about this before like you didn't really know with your first child at least I know I've talked to a lot of women that say the same thing like we don't really know with our first child we learned more with our second third kids and then like we have a lot of friends that are now having home births and their experiences are so much better because Mm -hmm. because they're being very selective on what they do and who they bring into that space and who they allow to, you know, be their midwife or not have a midwife. Like that's just, and they've become so much more educated. They're, they're taking classes. Like they're taking your classes. They're talking to you. They're talking to Mm -hmm. other moms. They're talking, they're doing their research, watching documentaries, like all the things that you, that you wish someone would have told you with your first baby. It actually really hurts me (laughs) to know that there's moms that don't have doulas and don't do research. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the most powerful thing is having mom and dad take responsibility for being educated. And that doesn't even mean that they have to be quote unquote, well-researched as much as like trusting their bodies and intuitively knowing like God created your body for this. Mm-hmm. He did not make a mistake. You just have to, you know, be able to trust that and know how to prepare for that. Right. You know, it doesn't, you know, I will be, you know, I made a post the other day and it was like essentially saying like, I will celebrate the day that doulas are no longer needed because that's when family and friends are stepping in and doing my role as they should be, yeah. you know, whether that's like postpartum support or that is labor and birth support. Cause it's like, it should be the mothers and the grandmothers and the friends that are coming mm-hmm. alongside of and sharing wise wisdom and education with these moms and these dads and really just coming alongside of them in these ways. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, obviously like I love working with my families. Like, it's not just like a doula that shows up at the birth. Like, right. you know, I try to build these relationships with them. I do this continual check-ins, you know, more than, you know, you will ever get it with an OB or a midwife, you know, even with a home birth midwife, like, you know, you have your appointments with them or you have like those different things, but you know, I get to check in and text my mamas and do phone calls, you know, anywhere from every week to every other week, just to say, Hey, how are you feeling? Like what's going on? And it's like, it could be, you know, simple check-ins and like everything's going really well or just offering encouragement or they share something. It's like, Oh, I actually have resources for that. Like, Mm -hmm. let me send those over to you. And it's like, Oh, I didn't even think like, I just assumed that was part of pregnancy. And it's like, well, no, like, you know, there's things that can help you, you know, work through or cope with different things. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just like the communities you've grown just in the past three, 
four years. Like, it's amazing, like, to have watched this, too, because you're, like, you have your mom brunches, you have your family picnics and meetups, and then you do all of the other, like, you just did the breastfeeding project. You, it's just, Oh, yeah, that was amazing. That was so fun. Yeah, you just bring moms together, and it's, I probably don't tell you enough that it's so important <laughs> what you're doing that, like, moms need people like you to bring them together and it's just so cool to watch and be part of and I've made my own great friend trips through your mom groups which I'm thankful for so it's definitely something that like moms need and need to know that it's out there too oh thank you yeah it's it's one of those things like I try to in most things in my life it's like you can say you support families, you can say you support moms, you can say you support, you know, breastfeeding, or you can say you can support, you know, like strong marriages. And it's like, what are you, if you say those things, like, what are you actually doing to support that? Right. You know, and I remember early into my business and like, I was, you know, in the, in the throes of like early parenting, you know, Mm -hmm. with my second and all. And you know, if I said like, okay, like you guys need communities, you need a village to be able to help you through these things. It's like, they don't have, not all the moms have resources or the ability to, or the confidence or mental, you know, clarity yeah. to go out and try to, you know, make friends or do these things versus like when they're, you know, offered and I say, Hey, like I have brunches once a month, um, every month. And if it gets canceled for birth or sickness, like it's, rescheduled right you know they have that continuity of okay like I have a community that I can join if I'm able to yeah um or like you know we do mom's nights out and we do the family lunches or cookouts and things like you said like they at least have the option of something that's already put together and they just have to show up yeah you know and that's sometimes moms are like oh like I did all this stuff and like I came prepared and I'm feeling great and other times it's like the text of like, I got no sleep. I don't think I can even bring like a breakfast item. I'm like, I don't care. Like, just come, come. come just come. Plan. It will be so good for you. It'll be good for the baby or the kids. Like, just come. And like, we had a mom last week that, you know, she's like, it was just a really rough morning. Get out of the house. She's like, but I knew once I got here, it would be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, just having that opportunity to go somewhere. Um, and that's just like heavy on my heart. It's really, it's, it's really helpful. I know when I was home with the kids, I always looked forward to those, the, those things on my calendar because I wasn't doing really anything else. So mm-hmm. know that like, I at least knew I was going to do those things like your brunch, like your family, your morning brunches with your moms on Wednesday. Like I always mm-hmm. looked forward to that when I could make it. And I was definitely the mom sometimes that was like, I can't, I can't do this today. But you would even, mm-hmm. you even tell people, just drop your kids off and go do something. Like, I'll yep. watch the kids. Like, that's the kind of support you give your your friends and your clients. And um, Yeah, I don't say it flippantly when I'm like, hey, like, how can I help? Or like, come bring your kids. Like, yeah, we're adapting, you know, and my kids are brought up in that of the fact of like, Robbie and Asher will help with any kids that come. Mm-hmm. Like, they will sit on the sofa and hold a baby. They will 
you know, do other things while I take care of somebody's kids. Like they, because it's so normal to my kids Mm -hmm. that it's like, okay, like we're going to go take coffee to someone who's having a really hard day, or we need to make these meals together so that we can go run or go take a flower or go take chocolate. Like, because you, I can't fix people's situations. And I think that was really hard. Like as an early doula a couple of years ago, it was like, I wanted to help take care of and fix situations. Yeah. And people don't need that. It would be awesome, lovely in some ways, but like people don't need that. They just need somebody to check in with them and they need somebody who's going to come drop off food or a snack or a drink or just a a card. Yes. And setting that example for your kids is really important too um, because you're teaching your kids that those little things even if it's a card, like you just said, like that goes a really long way for anyone. And Mm -hmm. it teaches them to do those little things for people too. And that those little things are what really matters in, in, as a friend, as, as a friend. And it's good to set that example for them. And I think that that may, you know, in the busyness of life, those things are really hard to do. But when you make the time to do them and you see how much it changes people's day or their heart or what's going on in their life, it makes a huge difference for people. And it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to make the time to do those things than to let people live feeling Mm -hmm. like nobody cares or like they're just having a really hard day and no one's there for them. Even if they have a village you can still feel isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you don't have a good, strong that. village that's doing check-ins on you and, you know, asking you the hard questions, that's super isolating. Yeah, it's hard. But it's great that you've put those resources together for moms and you have all of all of those those people together. Like you have your meetups, you, you get people together and you talk to them and you are such a big support and um, for moms. Um, I think we can, can we like rewind a little bit to pain and labor and how, how you, you like how you've that pain, how you help moms through the pain maybe some different techniques you've used. Um, and maybe like a mind, I, I know we all, we always talk about like how it's a lot, it's very mental. Um, mm-hmm. so maybe we can talk a little bit about, about that. Yeah. So when we talk about comfort or pain, and like, this seems to always be like one of the biggest fears of motherhood, like first and foremost, like before you have kids and like, even like leading up in pregnancy and everything. Um, And really getting to the root of why we are so fearful of birth, because fear is like a driving factor to pain. Um, And that you can have no fear and still have, you know, an intense labor, but that doesn't mean it has to be excruciating and traumatic so like there's different levels of the fact of like getting to the root of things of like okay are there fears that are going into pregnancy and labor that are going to make things more intense because when your brain feels fear it's going to make things more intense it's going to make things more painful um so definitely getting to the root of things whether it's like movies and shows unfortunately like depict um labor and birth as this excruciating horrible thing versus it being a beautiful thing where the mother is birthing herself Mm -hmm. as well as her child and 
being able to, you know, turn inward as well as just leaning on God's strength to be able to, because it's, I truly believe that pregnancy and birth are meant to push us, you know, transcend mm-hmm. maternal services, like going beyond, like you're transcending, you're going beyond the path point of what you thought you could go past. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to, you know, go through those things as well as how crucial your environment is, you yeah. know, where you plan on laboring and where you plan on birthing has a huge impact on the pain that you experience. So, you know, and this is, you know, when you're in your own home, mm-hmm. if it is a safe environment, you're more likely to experience less pain. It can still be very intense, but you're more likely to experience less pain because you're not having um, an unsafe environment, unknown people in and out and so on and so forth. You are only having the people that you personally hired, invited, or mamas who free birth with themselves or their spouse um, and their kids. And it's like, they chose their environment. They chose who they want there and who they don't want there. Um, And even if it's really intense, it's a lot less painful and intense and scary. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you go into uh, birth centers and hospitals, there is an increase oftentimes because you are uprooting yourself from one environment to the other in the labor process. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when that when moms are choosing that for any reason, mm-hmm. this is where I highly and a lot of childbirth education classes, you know, a good portion of that that I talk about is educating yourself and advocacy, mm-hmm. hardcore advocacy, because unfortunately, when we step into um, birth centers and hospitals, they're under the same protocols, um, even if they say that they respect and trust you and honor your wishes they're still going to push things. Like mm-hmm. I no longer, I no longer attend birth center and hospital births because yeah. of the things that I have witnessed, which we can get into later. Yeah, um, talk about that. But um, I definitely see like where moms are doing really, really well. Um, and then they enter these environments and because they are being asked so many questions because they have somebody that's in and out of their space mm-hmm. um, or they're a little more limited um, and just options, unfortunately, um, that things become a little more painful or they have to take more time to reset, um, to adjust to the new environment. So things that are really helpful to adjust to those environments is having your favorite clothing, your blanket, your pillow, um, music, if you like music, uh, white noise, different things like that, as well as having your partner and your spouse Mm -hmm. there to take care of everything that they can. So if that's like, you know, telling, you know, the midwife or the nurses, if you're at a birth center and hospital where it's like, okay, any questions that he can answer, have him answer. And then I will just answer the other ones. Um, as well as telling people like, I want as few interruptions as possible. Like don't come to this room unless you have to. Um, which they shouldn't um, do until (laughs) they shouldn't. (laughs) Um, and avoiding things that are going to make you feel like a patient, because when we become a patient, we are then going to, feel like we are ill or that something is wrong. So, you know, this can go anywhere from cervical checks where we have somebody putting their hands in our vagina, which is counterproductive to labor and birth where we are opening and bringing down. Um, So your cervix and your body will feel, even if you feel fine, your body and your cervix are like, hey, this is not safe. Nothing's supposed to be coming up here. Um, So before, when you see, if you, if your body feels like something's not 
like it's fi- it's fighting it off like the cervical mm-hmm. for example then you probably should not have that happen while you're in labor yeah and at no point do you ever ever need a cervical exam regardless of what your provider says whoever's right. listening to this um you can choose to get them if you want them or you know if you're like i don't think i want them don't do them yeah. Because they will try to convince you otherwise. They will tell you they need to know. They'll tell you like, oh, well, we're worried about a cervical lip and swelling and, you know, we your cervix could rip or something like this. And it's utter nonsense. Your yeah. body will do what it needs to do. Trust your body. Listen to your body. Um, we're not talking. No, nope, we don't need to. Women. No. We, I, it's so hard and so sad because it's like deprogramming what a lot of women are taught. And it's like, I love, you know, so many of my families that their daughters are now being raised knowing like, Hey, guy created your body perfectly. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's times modern medicine is an absolute blessing, yeah. you know, when it's needed. However, that's in the minority, you know, versus being able to trust their bodies, being able to know that they have the final say of anything and everything that is suggested, whether it's a medical provider or outside of that. Um, so, you know, your provider, your teams, your environment are huge um, in your pain level and what you're going to experience, um, as well as, you know, no matter what providers will say, mm-hmm. um, Pitocin, Pitocin is not oxytocin. And I've heard this time and time again, where providers are like, oh, it's the same thing. It's the same hormone that your body creates. Pitocin has really severe risks for mom and baby. It's not even approved for induction. Um from the FDA and all like, and what it does is it increases moms and babies risks for multiple things, but it also is so much more intense than the oxytocin that your body will create, mm-hmm. which makes contractions stronger and longer and closer together, which we want natural contractions to get stronger, longer and closer together. Right. Pitocin puts mom and baby in distress. Yeah. So it's a whole other pain level. So like some moms, that have had Pitocin and inductions and all, and then went with a natural birth. They're like, we didn't even realize how far along we were because these were nothing compared to my induction. Um, Or, you know, I've had moms that chose to do an induction under pressure or by choice. Mm -hmm. And they're terrified that they can't handle a natural birth because of their, um, of their experience with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, things like that. And it's like when there's true emergency, an induction wouldn't be the first step. It would be a C section. So if they're like, oh, we need to get baby out, well, do you really need to get baby out? Or are you just having some concerns that we can wait out? Because if right. there's truly an emergency, we're going to get the baby out via cesarean right. um, for mom and baby's safety. Right. Um, but yeah, Pitocin's another thing. Um, and just understanding, you know, all of your options, you know, it's so important. And you, I love birth planning, not because it's a laundry list of things that you need to achieve to have an empowering birth, but because it's a communication tool for you and your team, mm-hmm. um, for ways for them to support you, not for you to ask permission. Um, so the more educated and confident you are, the better you're going to be able to handle things as well. Um, and just dads being on the same page. I have seen moms handling things really well. 
and dad gets fearful or anxious or uncertain and mom takes that on and it stalls things or it makes things more intense. Um, So your team is not just your, you know, midwife or OB or not hiring any or doula or not hiring a doula. It's also, you know, dad, dad has to be educated and on the same page, encouraging you, loving you and like really confident in your body's ability and confident in your plan. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're going to feed off of them and that's yeah. a good thing, but it also has to be done and like all but curated properly, um, ahead of time, because we need dads that are going to support well and going to offer that encouragement and that strength for mom to pull through. Yeah. Because if you are in labor and you're having an intense two contractions in a row and you're like, Oh, I don't know. And they're scared you're going to feel that more versus if they're like looking you deep in the eyes and they're like, wow, you're so strong. You've got this. Keep leaning into it. Don't fight it. It's an entirely different experience. It is. I 100% agree with that. And I think that it's just as important for dad. Like you said, it's just as important for dads to be educated on all of the things that are going to happen when, Mm -hmm. you know, their wife is giving birth that as it is for the mom. And they need to almost be stronger in a sense because they're going to witness what's happening and they need to be able to be that strength for the mom. Yeah, they need to be the rock. And like, you know, especially for my families who are Christians, like listening to the dads redirect mom to lead on God's strength is Mm -hmm. so powerful. Yeah. Like reminding her, your body was created for this. You are doing this. Keep leading. Let this be an act of worship. Like it is absolutely incredible and strong and powerful. Yeah. I remember when we were in labor, just so, so clearly how supportive you and Kyle were and how different it's really cool to see as you have more kids, the dad Mm -hmm. like grow too. like with Liam, we were kind of both like, all right, like we'll listen to the doctor. Like, you know, neither of us really spoke up with Haley. We were a lot more outspoken. And then with Molly, I just remember Kyle be very outspoken and very like protective of me and Molly and very encouraging during labor and delivery and and like just there um and that's huge for a mom it makes you feel so much more comfortable and in a time where you may be doubting Mm -hmm. yourself as you're going through labor because I think that there is time at least for me I've always had a period of time at towards the end where I was like a little bit doubtful of my strength, but then like to have a good support team around you telling you like, you can do this. You've got this, like you said, praying over you, encouraging you that it's um, an act of, of service an act of worship for your child, that they're doing this alongside you that, you know, everything's going to be okay. All of those things is huge for moms in labor. Um, Yeah. And hearing that this is normal and this is good. Exactly. Like this is, these are, if you weren't feeling these things, it, you know, it's really good. So yeah. Yeah. And that's a variation. Like some labors are really intense, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah, like some labors are painful and traumatic. Yeah, I wish that I wish they were not. And like, that's, you know, a goal of mine to facilitate them not to be and that comes with a lot of like, preparation ahead of time and education and really like, a lot of internal work for mom and dad. Yeah. Um, 
And it's also sometimes where it's really intense, but that doesn't mean it's painful and excruciating. Like, it's just like these intense waves that are going over your body and you're just like, okay, we're taking them one at a time and it's doing exactly what it needs to do. Um, And then it's like also really, you know, the other side of it where I've seen mamas just euphoric during and between contractions where Mm -hmm. they are laughing and it's kind of like somewhat orgasmic and like there's just such a wide range and the environment and the providers make such a difference because I've seen it go from like that euphoric um riding of the waves but then a provider is pushy and it takes away from mom's you know space that she Mm -hmm. was in um and it really just interferes with so many things um so being able to just remember that that environment that you choose highly impacts the um, experience you have. So your environment and the people that you invite. And at any point, if you feel uncomfortable once or twice with a provider, that's enough because then you're going to kind of get that feeling of what they're going to bring into your birth space. Yeah. Um, As well as if you are working with a provider that has a team, Right. Don't stay in one. Don't stay there for one provider that you will likely not get. Right. Even if they agree with you, even if they support your plans, because I can almost guarantee you almost every other one will not and does not. Yeah. Um, I had, um, you know, and they're going to pressure and they're going to put on the protocols. They're going to put on all these things. And that's, you know, that's even home birth midwives that have their own protocols. That's why like ask the hard questions, you know, even with a home birth midwife where it's like, well, what if my water breaks? What if meconium's present? What if I go past 42 weeks? Those are the questions you need to be asking at six weeks pregnant, because if they are not going to support you without their like cutoffs, you know, and it's not individualized, you run because there's no one size fits all. No, it's very personal, that choice. Mm -hmm. Um, I just know that when I was pregnant with Haley, I was going to provider and it was in the middle of the pandemic and I ended up switching providers. I think I was like 34 weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. I providers and I was so thankful that I, I, I did that. Um, same with Molly, like I very pregnant and I was like, I'm changing providers because I didn't like that. Yes. Experience. And Um, it was obviously nerve wracking to do that, you know, so far into it. And after having a certain, like two babies with the other provider, but, um, yeah, cause you get comfortable even in the discomfort and you, you know what to expect. And when you go into something, not knowing what to expect, it's a lot more, I feel like nerve wracking for me. Like I like, I'm the kind of person when I'm anywhere, I like to be told what's happening to me because it helps me cope with whatever's happening. So, um, to go into that and not knowing what to expect. And especially with Molly having, um, knowing that I didn't want any, no, no, like medications for pain, no epidural, nothing. Um, knowing that I was going into, I really wanted to make sure that I was at the right place. So, um, -hmm. I I do think that's really important to choose to. Yeah. And you can change your provider. I've had moms change their provider at 41 weeks. Yeah, you can change you know? it. <laughs> like, it, it, it. Yes, and you feel so much better. Like, you'll know. I just feel like you'll know. Like, that's the much better decision for me, regardless of how much work it is to change a provider, how much mm-hmm. you don't know about that, what's going to happen at the end. 
you know, like the labor and delivery and how they hand, like how they actually in the moment handle things, you know, like mm-hmm. just by talking to somebody that that's the, the better choice. I yeah. think. And sometimes it's, even if they're going to handle things the same way, it's can be refreshing to have a positive, um, like a fresh start, because even if they're going to handle things in a similar fashion, you don't have the baggage and the trauma that you may have had with somebody else that's going to impede on that journey. Even if they're going to recommend the same things, you can, you know, start with a fresh relationship and say, well, no, I'm actually not going to do that. Or I do want to do this. Yep. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mama, Mommy, Mom. I wanted to let you know that the second episode with Hannah will launch on Monday and we are going to be talking about hospital births and some things maybe you knew or didn't know about hospital births. And these are just experiences and opinions of ours, not medical advice. I just want to clear that up. So stay tuned and follow the show so you can get updated when we have that episode launch. And you can connect with Hannah in the show notes. I have a link to her Instagram and her website.